The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. From the field to the film room to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by my co-host, fellow draft enthusiast Dives. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure to check out his podcast, Party on Broad. Dibes, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Uh, a Heisman showdown goes down this weekend. How can you not be hyped, man? Uh, let's get it. All right. I'm also joined by my co-host on Chalk Talk, Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. And be sure to check out his tough cover radio show every Saturday. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm still on, I'm still by the fireplace trying to warm up after attending the Eagles game on Sunday in the uh, in the pouring rain. Um, but you know, thankfully that was a win uh, because if it wasn't, that would have been a pretty miserable experience. But what's not a miserable experience? Talking drafts. I'm I am official. I reached the point this week over the Thanksgiving weekend where my, my brain really started to get going. Dives started getting the texts on the side. Do I have this guy too high? Do I have this guy too low? I'm ready for draft season, even though the Eagles are 10-1. <laughs> yeah, usually, you know, the Commanders, the Giants, they <laughs> should be ready for draft season. The Eagles are sitting here with the best record in the NFL, and Mark can't wait for the draft, which is exactly why Mark and Dives are on this podcast, because they're sickos. So... <laughs> All right, well, let's dive into it. We'll recap our player of the week predictions last week. Mark wasn't able to make it last week. Uh, so we've got an NA here for Mark. Uh, Dives took quarterback Jaden Daniels from LSU, who threw for 235 yards and four touchdowns. He also rushed for 120 yards. I took wide receiver Rome Adunze from Washington, who had seven receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. He also had a carry for 23 yards. Unfortunately, I think Jaden Daniels takes this one. So uh, Dibes gets the two points on this one. Uh, I will That's take close. the one. That's close. Adunze was like the player of that game. It, it's close. It's I mean, good. if Mark wants to make the case here, I'm more than happy. I'm more than happy <laughs> to be persuaded because I really don't like this breaking my three-week streak of winning this thing. <laughs> 
maybe I'm just trying to have there be no points so my my NA doesn't count as hard. So, and no one gets any points. Every, <laughs> everyone's even. That's my take. Yeah, well, at this point, because this will be the last the last week of predictions, right? Conference championship weekend. We can well, we we can say that I have locked bowls. this competition. Yeah, we can do bowl games for sure. We could, yeah, we could. I don't know if I want to though, because I got the lead. I've got this thing on ice right now. Uh, I've got 17 points. Dives is at 13. Mark is at 11. We'll see where we end up next week. And so uh, let's hop into it here. Before we give you our player of the weeks, we're going to give you some Eagles targets to watch on conference championship Saturday. All right, Eagles prospects to keep an eye on. Dibes, lead us off here. Who's your guy you're watching this weekend? Yeah, in the spirit of, oh, snap, Lane Johnson's hurt again. We suck again. Uh, we're going to go offensive lineman uh, this week. And the guy I'm looking at is Troy Fountainu, uh, a, a tackle prospect uh, that's really interesting. Uh, that'll kind of be uh, under the spotlight this weekend. Uh, this guy is a two-year starter at left tackle for Washington. Uh, quick in his setup, thrives in pass protection. He allowed zero sacks on 608 pass blocking snaps last year. Fast and flexible out of his stance. Uh, this is a guy who has played over 1,000 snaps at left tackle. But I think there are some question marks about his uh, position at the next level. Uh, this is your classical like not a great athlete doesn't have great length probably a guy that shifts on the inside um he needs to add muscle he needs to add strength uh he's over 300 pounds but his frame isn't great uh he doesn't get a lot of power behind his blocks he's not a people mover uh this is a guy that i think jalen carter would probably uh put on his ass uh so for me uh troy fountainu is absolutely a day two pick he just needs uh, a little more NFL coaching and time in that weight room uh, at the next level. But Troy Fontenot is a guy that uh, has dominated, uh, you know, protecting Michael Penix Jr. the last couple of years uh, and is going up against uh, an Oregon defense that has been playing very well lately. Uh, So give me Troy Fontenot. All right. Troy Fontenot out of Washington. Uh, We're going to be revisiting this game several times throughout the show. Uh, but let's go with Mark's guy here. Mark, who is your Eagles prospect for the week? So my Eagles prospect is not playing this weekend, which is probably uh, a poor calculation on my end. But <laughs> there's something to watch out for because he's a junior. His head coach at Oregon State, I'm talking about Talisi Fuega from Oregon State, offensive tackle. Look at that big fella right there. There's some rumors that he could transfer to Michigan State and not enter the draft, which Feels wild to me because as we were talking about before the pod, Dives thinks this guy could end up being a top 10, top 15 pick. And I I tend to agree at his size. Um, But there's going to be a decision coming in these next couple days or weeks with Fuega, whether or not he's going to be kind of moving on to the NFL or staying in college football. And there's a lot of those guys right now at at this time where we're going to have to keep our eyes out there. And this guy, he is a junior. He's played two full seasons at Oregon State, two full seasons of snaps. Hasn't given up a sack at the college level. Has only given up four quarterback hits, 
20 quarterback hurries in a, in over 1500 snaps in 2022 he had an 80.4 pff grade in 2023 he had an 86.9 pff grade he's a, a good pass blocker but Oregon State is very much a zone-blocking running scheme. They run the crap out of the ball. It's what Jonathan Smith does, and it's what he's going to do at Michigan State. So I think you get to see Fuega really maul dudes in the running game an absolute ton, and you get to see him get to the second level and just put people, you know, put people on their backside. He does. He has some plays that I, I always like to reference. Uh, Michael Orr in the blind side where he takes you to the sideline and he puts you on the bus, um, even though that movie might be fraudulent. We won't get into that. That's for another podcast. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Talisi Fuega is a really, really good run blocking prospect. We know what the Eagles like. They like these offensive linemen who can move in space and these athletic offensive linemen who can get to the second level. I mean, Jurgens and Kelsey, I think that's why they loved those guys. It's why they loved Mylotta. I think you could see the same thing with Fuega. There are for sure questions. Um, about his pass protection. I think he had a couple rough reps against Braylon Trice uh, against Washington last week. But besides that, he looked really good in that game, especially from a run blocking perspective. If anyone can kind of iron out the kinks, uh, it's Jeff Stoutlin. So 6'6", 330, young, played a lot though at, at the at for his age. Um, I, I think this is the exact type of guy that the Eagles will be taking if he's available at the back end of the first round. All right. Uh, I'm going to make it a clean sweep here and I'm going to give us another offensive lineman. Uh, I'm moving into the interior though. Every year I fall in love with an interior offensive <laughs> lineman uh, and, and they turn out to be good at C Creed Humphrey, but I'm not going to say I'm falling that in love with him yet. It's too early to say, but the early I'm, it's my early lean as Mark would say, uh, and that is interior offensive lineman, Jackson powers Johnson out of Oregon. Uh, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's 6'3", 320 pounds, reportedly has run a five, uh, 5040, which would be really fast at his size. Uh, he played center this season for Oregon after playing mostly right guard and a little bit of left guard over the last two years. So a lot of versatility in the inside. Jason Kelsey is retiring. He could be your center, or maybe he's your right guard, and Cam Jurgens is your center. Who the heck knows, but Jeff Stoutland can figure it out. Uh, he has allowed one pressure on 458 pass blocking snaps this season. He has never allowed a sack in his career. He's got an 84.7 run blocking grade, which is sixth in the NCAA, and an 86.2 pass blocking grade that ranks 14th. This guy is good at both facets. He is a nasty run blocker who plays with a mean streak. Uh, he generates displacement at the point of attack. He can push push guys back, uh, give room for his uh, running back to gain yardage behind him. He can be used as a puller. He's athletic enough. Uh, he's really good at executing combo blocks, especially in those zone running schemes, which is where you initially get the double team on the defensive tackle and then release up to the second level and hit the linebacker. You see Jason Kelsey do that a lot. Uh, he has the explosiveness to execute reach blocks, pin pull. Every, he, can, he can do it all. Uh, he's a high IQ player. He's really good at reading out stunts and twists, setting up protections. Uh, as for his weaknesses, uh, he's better at moving forward in the running game than he is dropping into pass sets. And so that's something worth monitoring. He's still good at it, but... He's definitely not as good. At, if you're going to say a weakness, that's his weakness. He struggles at times 
uh, with counter moves, especially like speed moves. He anchors well against power, but well-executed counter moves can get him at times. And then his block targeting when he's out in space is a little shaky at times, but I think he's a really good player. I think he's got high upside. He He's going to be a day two pick. I think typically you don't see these guys go round one. It's just kind of rare to see a center go round one. Maybe if you're drafting him to be a guard, but he could be right there at the end of the first round or end of the second round for the Eagles. So uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, a fun name to keep an eye on this weekend. Solid All right. Name. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good football name. Yep. Three yeah. names: John Michael Schmitz, Jackson Powers Johnson, back-to-back oh years. Lineman, three names: JPJ. Love, Love that him. guy, man. That was that was my guy. Wait, that's <laughs> Joey Porter Jr. JPJ. Yeah. Uh, uh, there you go. All right. Well, let's turn the page now and let's talk our player of the week predictions. All right, player of the week predictions. Dives, you're up first here. Lead us off. Tell us who your player of the week is. Sticking with our game of the week, uh, I'm going with Troy Franklin, a wide receiver out of Oregon, man. Uh, if you've been following along uh, with some of my shorts, like winners of the week, you'll know who Troy Franklin is because he's been on there multiple times this season. We all know Bo Nix. Bo Nix is well on his way to a potential Heisman Trophy. But uh, let's talk about his partner in crime in Troy Franklin, uh, who last weekend became the best wide receiver in Oregon program history. Uh, this guy now holds the single receiving, receiving touchdowns and receiving yards record with over 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns, holds the record for most 100-yard receiving games in a single season with eight. Last Saturday against Oregon State, nine receptions, 128 yards and a touchdown. This guy might be the best deep threat wide receiver prospect in the draft. <laughs> Maybe not named Keon Coleman or Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, but uh, this guy is, uh, he's got an elite first step. He gets to his top speed extremely quickly. Um, you know, you look at this guy, 19th most receptions in the country at 77, averaging over 17 yards per reception. Uh, and uh, you look at kind of as a comparison between Troy Franklin and Malik Neighbors. Both of those guys, by the way, Malik Neighbors is like, one of my favorite prospects in this draft. He is a bona fide first round talent, um, but you don't hear a lot about Troy Franklin. Both neighbors and Troy Franklin have 14 receiving touchdowns. Neighbors does have nine more uh, you know, receptions. Um, and uh, here's a crazy stat. Troy Franklin, there's only been two weeks this season that he did not reach the end zone, which is absolutely crazy. You look at last time Oregon and Washington matched up, Troy Franklin went off for eight catches, 154, 154 yards, and a touchdown. This is one of the surest bets in uh, in this week um, with how Michigan, sorry, how Washington has kind of been iffy a little bit. Um, so give me Troy Franklin as my player of the week. 
All right. Uh, Troy Franklin, wide receiver out of Oregon. Mark, I think you've got a wide receiver in this game too, don't you? Yeah, it is. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about this wide receiver class this year, fellas. I mean, Dodds just ran down his list and he didn't mention my guy. He was talking <laughs> about the best deep threat in the game. Roma Dunze is second in the country in deep catches and deep yards. Um, this Roma Dunze guy, I- I'm just, I'm really trying to stack up my prospects now. And, you know, I have the guys I love and, you know, we all know who the top, top, top flight guys are at the top of the first round. And I'm kind of trying to stack up the offense guys versus the defense guys. And I put Roma Dunze on here as my player of the week. And I truly do think he's going to have a huge game. Uh, Dimes mentioned Troy Franklin having a great game in that game against Washington. Well, the reason Washington won that game was because of Roma Dunze, who had eight catches for 128 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he has n- almost 19 yards per catch this year, Dunze. He's 6'3". You hear these deep ball numbers, and you know he's going deep, and he's such a fly route concern for the other team. You think, oh, he must be a smaller guy. He's an elite athlete with elite speed, and he's 6'3". And as you saw in his last game against Washington State, he can go up and get it in the red zone. He's a contested catch guy as well. He can win jump balls. Romo Dunze, to me, is a top four prospect in this upcoming draft. I am pushing all of my chips in on the Roma Dunze uh, you know, stock. And here's what I'll say. Here's my kind of hot take uh, of the day and the reason that I picked on Dunze. Because this has kind of been something I've been fumbling around in my head with. My top three is set in stone um, for this for this draft in terms of my prospects. Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake May. That's going to be my top three, and that's going to be the order. After that, there's another tier of two guys, and it's between two guys. It's Roma Dunze, and it's Brock Bowers. I think most people out there are going to go with Brock Bowers. And you look at all the mock drafts, Bowers is going higher than any other receiver in this class besides Marvin Harrison Jr. But my question to you guys is, and this is to Dives, uh, my question to Dives is more about do you prefer Odunze and Bowers? And my question to Shane is more about positional value. Odunze's upside, if he hits to me, is just so much higher than Brock Bowers' upside if he hits. Because if Brock Bowers is who we hope he is, he's George Kittle, right? And if Romo Dunze is who we hope he is, he's, I don't know, Jamar Chase? Like, that's where you kind of have to think about positional value. I think Odunze is the better prospect. Dives and Shane, uh, what what do you guys think? It kind of hurts me. That we finally, I finally met someone that loves a Dunze as much as you. Um, I've been on the Roma Dunze train all season long. And I think, you know, you can point out the deep ball stats. You can point out the size. You can point out um, how excellent he is at route running. And uh, But what I have loved from what I've seen with Roma Dunze is how clutch he is. This guy has the clutch. Mm-hmm. And it's not... Michael Penix Jr. is not Dylan Johnson when Washington needs a first down and they have been in some battles in recent weeks. They throw it to their guy. They let Roma Dunze make a play on the ball in big moments and he comes through over and over and over again. Roma Dunze, uh, I don't know about top four. Uh, Rock Bowers is a special player, but I see where you're coming from. I don't have a big board just yet. 
Um, I, I did make a tweet that was pretty crazy uh, in comparison to Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, but for me, uh, I will go Brock Bowers has a higher ceiling uh, in the NFL right now. Yeah, I think if you're talking, if you're talking elite tight end or elite wide receiver, I'll take the elite wide receiver any day of the week. Yeah. Now, if you're talking a good wide receiver mm -hmm. or an elite tight end, then it's a different story. And so it all gets into your evaluation of the players. But yeah, all things equal, I'm definitely taking the wide receiver. I just think wide receiver is becoming so valuable in today's NFL, especially on those rookie contracts as we see wide receiver uh, contracts kind of exploding ac across the league. So uh, not to get into my eval of Bowers versus Adunze, but all things equal, I would always lean the wide receiver. To be yeah. fair, Bowers has the same gene. This guy takes mm -hmm. his the offense on his back and and no one can stop him. And Adunze does the same thing. The 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 catches in the end zone Adunze has had this year are ridiculous. Re like high contested catches, uh low percentage catches. Uh he's amazing. So we're talking about two of the best playmakers in the draft. And if you again, I've talked about this many times uh on different shows, but this wide receiver class whew, is so deep. I mean, we're talking eight, ten guys that are you could make an argument, I think, to be first round draft uh picks. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked about first round draft picks. Now let's talk about my player of the week, a guy who should go in the third round. Uh, but my <laughs> player of the week prediction for this week. Uh, it is running back Blake Corum out of Michigan. Uh, you're, you're running out of guys that you can pick by the time you get to conference championship weekend. <laughs> There's so few games. We've picked so many of the good players. I should have saved a Roma Dunze. I should have saved, you know, a Bo Nix, a Michael Penix Jr. for this weekend. I didn't. So Blake Corum is my guy. Uh, he has only had four games this season where he has not scored multiple touchdowns. Now, he hasn't put up crazy yardage, but he consistently gets goal line work. Each of the last two weeks, he's got a pair of rushing touchdowns with under 100 yards. Well, this week, he's going to face off against an Iowa defense that is 16th in rushing yards per game allowed. However, they're ninth in passing yards per game allowed. This is a tremendous defense. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is totally out of the Heisman race. He hasn't thrown for 150 yards in any of the last three games. Michigan needs to win this game to get into the playoff. Michigan's going to lean on Blake Corum in this game. They're going to give him a ton of carries. You don't need to manage his load. There's plenty of time off after this game. You don't trust McCarthy on the big stage. I think they're going to feed Blake Corum 25 carries. Uh, I'm calling triple digits and a pair of touchdowns for Blake Corum. So he is my player of the week prediction because I couldn't have an exciting person like a receiver. So there you have it. I think the weight on this is wrong. I think he's more like 220. Um, it, uh, I, Cause I remember doing this last year. I think he was in our scouting reports in 2023, uh, but he's like the muscle hamster man. Like his change of direction ability, his, uh, lateral agility is crazy. Uh, so uh, he definitely, he was my player of the week against Ohio State. Uh, he had some big moments, two touchdowns. Um, 
I think his I'm, I hate that I'm saying this. I think his name is bigger or better than his NFL draft prospects. Yeah, yeah, I don't agree. So Michigan has him listed at 5'8", 213. Okay. So, yeah. All right, so there you have it. Our player of the week predictions. Uh, Mark, do you have a lock of the week for us? I forgot to ask you that before we started. Yeah, I'll, it's in that game. I, I would go, it's pretty crazy. So I, if you look at the spread and the total, they are expecting Michigan to score over under 29 and a half points. They are expecting Iowa to score over under six and a half. And the Iowa first half team total over under is 0.5. I'm not going to go with that bet. I'm just going to take Michigan. Give me Michigan every way you can get them. Minus 22 and a half team total over 29 and a half. Generally, I'd say, you know what? They are going to look at this as almost a tune-up game. They might not try to pour it on. Um, They might save some bullets and rest some guys once they get up a little bit on Iowa. But Michigan's not happy with the Big Ten. They're not happy with any of the coaches. I'm sure Iowa was a part of that. I think they're going to use this opportunity with Harbaugh back on the sideline to pour it on, to get J.J. McCarthy some passing stats, to get Blake Corum some rushing stats. Uh, I think Michigan's going to use this opportunity to say, no, no, we are the best team in the country. Um, So I I think Michigan every which way. Yeah, we are the best team in the country, and we didn't need to cheat to do that. We just did it because we could. (laughs) It's so frustrating. Harbaugh should be the next coach of the Patriots. He could just go cheat in New England and carry Mm -hmm. on that tradition, but – He's going to coach the Bears next year. You can lock that in in Invisible Ink. <laughs> All right, Invisible Ink. All right, let's talk about our actual game of the week here. It is number six, Oregon, at number four, Washington. This is a Friday night game. Let's cancel your Friday night plans. you got a football <laughs> game to watch at 8 o'clock Friday night. Washington handed Oregon their only loss of the season a month and a half ago, October 14th. In a game, they won 36-33 at Washington. Washington's undefeated. Oregon has the one loss. Uh, in that game, Oregon went for it on a fourth and three from the Washington 47 with two minutes and 11 seconds left. Up four, and they failed. Washington scored a touchdown two plays later, leaving Oregon with a minute 38 left. They got down to the 25-yard line before missing a 43-yard field goal that would have tied the game. Now, since then... These teams have gone in opposite directions. Oregon has played dominant football. Yep. Washington's looked shaky. Uh, they haven't lost. They haven't looked good. So much so that Oregon is a nine and a half point favorite in this game. Over and under is set at 66 and a half. Uh, they expect fireworks. This is your two Heisman candidate quarterbacks dueling it out. They are likely playing for the Heisman in this game as well. Uh, Dives, I'll throw it to you first here. What are you watching for in this game? You absolutely nailed it, Shane. Like, since that matchup, like, Oregon has been just in cruise control, scoring at least 30 points and winning by double digits in every game during that streak. Uh, Bo Nix has been on fire. Four straight 360-yard passing performances and 16 16 touchdowns in his last four games. Uh, And... Also, four touchdowns on the ground. Uh, this Ducks defense has held four of their last five opponents under 20 points, uh, which probably is the difference uh, when you break this one down. Uh, meanwhile, the Washington Huskies 
have not had a double digit win since September 23rd. And they won their last two games by a combined five points. Uh, I, I just think Oregon's defense is a little bit more trustworthy at this point. Uh, it really will boil down to the chemistry between Michael Penix Jr. and Roma Dunze. And if you have watched any of the recent Washington Huskies uh, games, Michael Penix Jr. puts it all on the field. Like he was an emotional mess last week uh, when Washington just pulled it out. If you look, if you YouTube it or Twitter it, uh, he, he is an emotional mess. He had to put a cover on himself and remove himself from the football field. That's how much of a wreck. This guy gives it his all. Um, and it's kind of bizarre because you look at the, tr the three-headed monster Heisman between Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix. And uh, Michael Pettix Jr. has kind of been forgotten a little bit. Like, he has been terrific uh, in every level. Um, he's had some shaky moments for sure, but uh, he's putting up ridiculous numbers uh, uh, just like some of the, the other big names. So uh, it's going to be a great matchup. I think Oregon pulls it out. Uh, I think this has got all the potential of game of the year. All right. So game of the year here from Dives. Mark, how, how do you see this game shaking out? Yeah, I think this is a 50-50 ball. Like, I, I think this could go either way. I think the nine and a half points are way too many. Um, Oregon's a nine and a half point favorite here. I, I like Washington plus nine and a half a lot. I, I think the way that this game's being talked about, it's like people are talking about it like Oregon's got all these next level athletes and these just different prospects than Washington has. And I almost feel like people are comparing Washington to what TCU was last year without realizing that Washington's got NFL guys all over the field. I mean, we just talked about some Penix, Romadunze, Jalen Polk, uh, obviously Braylon Trice on the other side. There's other guys that I'm failing to mention that I'm sure Dives has on the top of his tongue right now. But Washington's got a ton of athletes and a ton of NFL talent. This isn't just Michael Penix throwing it up to Romadunze and hoping for the best and no one else can really help out. Um, I, I think they are absolutely a live dog. I think people are counting them out. Um, I, I almost... It worries me that I'm being a little bit contrarian here with this play because I just feel like since the moment Washington beat Oregon by three, and I understand Oregon missed a big kick. I know it was in Washington in a tough environment. Since that moment, everyone's just assumed, almost as a throwaway. You listen to college football pods and they're like, oh, yeah, well, Oregon will beat Washington in the Pac-12 title game. And then and it's like, wait, we're just assuming? Like, we're just assuming Oregon's going to beat them. Washington's a nine-and-a-half-point dog in this game. I think it's disrespectful, and I think if you're Kalen DeBoer, if you're Michael Penix, if you're Roma Dunze, I think you've got to feel disrespected. Um, and like you said, Penix has fallen out of the, the Heisman race. I think you got to feel disrespected at that point. To me, this is a – the Heisman aspect of this is Bo Nix can go and win it, or it's Jaden Daniels. That's that's where this is at. I think it should be Jaden Daniels. You look at the just purely the stats. Jaden Daniels has had a better year than nine of the last ten Heisman's. The only one that's really up for debate is Burrow, and that Burrow probably had a better year. But you look at Jaden's rushing numbers, and it's it's hard to compare. But Bo Nix has thirty-seven touchdowns and two interceptions. He's on eleven and one team, and he's playing for a chance to go to the college football playoffs. So it is hard to poo-poo Bo Nix's candidacy. 
I think Bo Nix is kind of it's up to him. Jaden Daniels is sitting at home. Bo Nix is going to determine the Heisman on Friday night. So that's kind of the biggest storyline of this game outside of the playoff for sure. I think the biggest thing to watch is the Washington rushing game. Uh, Dylan Johnson has uh, seen a significant increase in workload uh, for the Huskies offense. Um, And that wasn't the case the first time they met. Uh, You look at Dylan Johnson the first time they met. He did have 20 carries for 100 yards. Uh, Since then, over the last like four weeks, 26 carries, 23 carries, 16 carries, 21 carries. And he's got uh, four, five, six, seven touchdowns. Uh, so could uh, that that's kind of been the interesting thing about this Washington offense to kind of flip the switch instead of being uh, an elite passing attack, you know, be a dominant rushing attack. And could they keep Bo Nix and Troy Franklin off this football field? All right. Well, there you guys have it. Our conference championship preview. Uh, we actually, we'll, we'll talk. We'll see what the BGN draft show is going to look like going forward. I know we'll get you guys like we did last year, our top position uh, or top rankings at each position in the lead up to the draft. Uh, we'll have to schedule all of that out. But I hope you guys have enjoyed journeying through this college football season with us. The road to the draft is just getting started. We've still got five months until the draft. A lot of ground to cover, and we're going to be here with you every step of the way. So thank you guys for joining us for this episode and for this season, although this is not a finale, of the BGN Draft Show. If you enjoyed the show, be sure you hit that subscribe button. You get all the shows on the BGN feed. BGN Radio on the Shane page is recording tomorrow. Babes on Broad, the post-game shows, everything. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thumbs up on YouTube really help out the algorithm. You can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Shane Half NFL. Dibes is at Mr. Crockpot. And Mark is at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next week for another episode of the BGN Draft Show. Go Birds. <laughs>